Unloose the goose. We'll take no use. Your paradigms run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. X. Yeah, yeah, you're right Welcome here, Sal. I'll just drive, yeah, I'll just drive right over it. Episode 27 that we have here today. And most of us or many of us are coming from the frozen tundras of Texas or Tennessee. Some of us are smart and got the hell out and went to Florida. Today on the Florida show, free zone, baby. we have Jack Spierko. We have Sal Mayweather, Xavier Hawk from his car, John Bush in a nice hoodie, and I'm Nicole Sauce, in case you didn't know. And we will be talking about opting out of the new normal. Before we go into that, though, what are you guys drinking? I've got some really great tea from Angie's Gardens here. Green Mangda, Kratom. 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 Might be a little something extra in it. I don't know. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Is that that a Perrier you have there? No, no, no. I I stepped it up tonight. Oh, you stepped it up. Look at that. Miller Lite. They told me we were drinking tonight. Miller time. I stepped it up. Nice. <laughs> Check out the school Yeti I got. It's got the oh. don't tread on me there. My sister got it for me for Christmas. Nice. nice. That's nice. Yeah. Extremism. Cool. Okay, so we've been talking about this new normal for a while on the show and this idea that as a result of all the COVID chaos, it's a great time to reset the economy and take away personal rights and redefine how people should live their day-to-day life. Jack actually brought up on one of his Miyagi mornings a pretty good point that the new normal isn't all that different than the old normal and that maybe normal isn't fun. And we're geese. So I thought I'd start out just by a general question to everybody. We'll go around the horn. When you hear opting out of the new normal, what do you think of and how does that affect your life? And I'm going to start with uh, John because he's he's looking like he's ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Throw me in, coach. Um, when I think about, obviously, there's been a long effort to create more totalitarianism and surveillance and police state and centralization of power. And so COVID-19, much like 9-11, was one of these events that, the powers that be, the parasitic class has exploited and man, are they milking it and they're going to keep milking it with these variations and all sorts of stuff. So the new normal came along as a response to COVID-19 and it was like, we need to stay home. We're not going to be able to go to large events. Um, I still hear on the news and it's so depressing. I don't watch the news often, but when I do, it's like, wow, this makes sense why people are so freaked out. Cause it's like, with the new vaccine, will grandmothers be able to hug their grandchildren? And like, that's the question that's being asked. And so they're trying to set the stage where everyone needs to get used to these new things. You can't hug your grandchildren. Lots of things are going to do, going to be done virtually. And then having dove real deep into the great reset, we've talked about it on our individual shows and, and collectively on this show. When I think of new normal, I think of what they aim for with the great reset, which is people entering into virtual relationships, uh, virtual work, virtual school, um, a lot more surveillance, a lot more reliance on digital technology. 
and the tracking and tracing of everything. So that's the new normal that I think of. But I didn't catch Jack's Miyagi morning, but that same sentiment, it's like, well, the old normal wasn't good either because we had a police state. We had authoritarianism. We had all sorts of problems and division. And the new normal that they're wanting us to go into is is even worse. But we are all powerful, beautiful human beings. And if we understand that we're powerful, then we can establish our own new normal and that's really what we're trying to do with the show, inspire people, give them ideas on how they can opt out of the old normal, how we can avoid the new normal altogether. And then even if the masses end up embracing the new normal, we're going to be doing our own thing and forming our own communities and, and experimenting with new, new normals, better normals. So that's that's what comes to mind for me. Great. Thanks, John. Sal, what do you got for us? I agree with John. I think it's all about like this great reset. And that's why I think it's so critical what uh, – John and Derek and everybody at the Freedom Cells put together because what was it again, John? Like it was like you will by 2030, you'll be living in pods and eating bugs and you'll be happy about it or something. You'll sick own like nothing, that. have no privacy and you'll, you'll be happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the new normal to me. And I think the, the solution to it is counter economics, which is again, that's why it's so critical. The event that uh, we, we all just got done with. Cool. X. So I look at the idea of a new normal and what, A, I, I echo everything that, that my brothers here just said, because there is this panopticon of like global control and docility that they're sort of foisting upon humanity. And if I look at the numbers and how many people have just accepted mask wearing, now it's double mask wearing and all. Uh-oh. The robot. NSA. NSA. I got him. Good, intelligent people with good hearts. I'm like, why are you? Yeah, it's like the, 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 I don't see the numbers, you know, countering this. And while we can create our own communities and everything, like if that's the new normal, like I don't want any part of it. So that's that's why we've got to keep pushing in the directions that we want. Like if if they have a vision of what the future needs to look like for humanity to be, you know, controlled, then we need to have a, just as strong a vision that's as compelling enough and inspiring enough to motivate people to actually want to do it, not just a resistance kind of mindset. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. I turned off your video X because you were starting to go Matrix on us. So. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Okay, Jack. Yeah, to me, it kind of breaks into two sides, like what the new normal's always been and now what this current one is. So I remember the first time that I railed on this was back in like 08, 09, uh, and, and the person using that term was Susie Orvin, the, the, the Mickey Mouse Karen haircut financial guru, right? And she was like, this is just the new normal now. You're going to be working until you're 73. And I'm like, so I'm going to quit my job, right? And that's that's kind of what, what I, I think <laughs> opting out of the new normal is, is like whatever the people that are supposed authorities say, right? So you're supposed to be a financial guru and you can't tell somebody how to fix this shit, right? Whatever they screw stuff up, they just assume that, okay, well, then you're just going to live with this. That's what new normal means. New normal means, look, we fucked it up and you're going to deal with it. And, and yeah. my response to that is no. No, I'm not going to deal with it. Not, not in, in the way that you mean, which th what new normal means is everything's fucked up and you're just supposed to accept it and, and then just whatever we tell you to do about it, you do that. So you're supposed to take advice from the people that caused the problem as to how mm. you should deal with the problem, right? And you know they caused the problem because that's how they control you. 
So to me, this whole new normal is nothing new. It, it's, it's a phrase that I can think, you know, back to like early eighties hearing that term. And it's the same thing every time we screwed this shit up. Now you have to suck it up and drive on. So to me, what it means to opt out is to just say, I'm going to just design my own life and y'all go do whatever you want. Because if, if we're really as libertarian or as anarchist as we claim, if the sheep want to put three masks on their face and an anal swab up their ass, then, <laughs> then we have to be like, Okay, go ahead. God bless. Until you come try to make me do that, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to prevent you uh, from doing it. If you want to wear a mask on your ass to guard your farts, <laughs> go ahead. But I'm not participating. That's what I mean when yeah. I say opting out of the new normal, not participating in the collective delusion. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And I'm hugging my grandkids. Yeah, and and you know, yourself if you think I won't, right? Yeah. yeah, I've been I've been doing the same thing in town. Like when I go out, I don't put on a mask. I smile at everybody. Yeah. I'm like just pretending that this is not going on. And when somebody asks me, like, oh, can you put on your mask? I ask them why, you know, and I may I force them to actually, you know, parrot the story until they're like, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. Nice. Can let me add one How's thing there? For you? Because this really disturbed me when it happened. My niece who lives here in Texas And we have, we don't have mask mandates in the state, but we have is mask requirements in stores and stuff like that. And right. some enforce them and some don't. But she's your typical good kid that does everything they're supposed to do. She goes, you know, straight to college. Mom's a teacher, dad's a cop, that type of thing. So she's very compliant. And so she went to Disneyland or Disney World, whichever one is in Florida with her boyfriend. And when she came back, she was telling my wife, it, it was so weird. To, 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 to see people just walking around without masks on. And it's like, so. That was that's, fast, that's right? In Florida. Yeah. That's how fast it is, though. That when you are somewhere where people aren't, even people that wouldn't wear one if they didn't have to, it's not normal to not mask up, right? No, it's right. like, no. And my wife told her, no, normal is what they're doing. That is normal. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's when you're, you're done. When people get to the point where they've so embraced this, that they actually think it's weird to not do it. And, and man, I'd say, I'd say 70, 75% of people have sucked this in and just yep. accepted it. And note yeah, the and case then, count and everything and hospitalizations and deaths in Florida is on the same curve as everything else. It's all the same, California, New York, or Florida. Yep. Oh, oh dude, in Sweden, in Sweden, they actually outlawed wearing masks and PPE in schools in uh, one of these counties <laughs> that they have there. They're like, this does not match the evidence. There's no scientific backing for this. The boxes even say these do not prevent viruses. So, like, what the fuck are people really thinking? Like, is it just yeah, compliance? I'm, I'm not sick. I mean, we had a huge Super Bowl party here right down the street. I mean, the entire neighborhood that was out. I mean, if you guys could see St. Petersburg on Super yeah. Bowl night. They were so pissed, the Democrats, when they saw pictures and videos of, like, everybody celebrating. I mean, nobody's dropping dead. We're all fine. So, I mean, I, you know, it's just, it just goes, it just proves the whole, how the whole mainstream narrative is just a, a hoax. Yeah. What do you well, think, Nicole? Let's hear your stuff about opting out of the new normal. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think I have much different to say than what, what y'all have already said, right? It's, it's a new normal, but it's the old normal. I agree with Jack on that. And uh, what I have noticed or observed with this one is, the level of people walking around like they're hypnotized, like their brains have been hypnotized, is a lot more noticeable, which is good because other people are starting to notice it. So I'm starting to get emails saying, like, 
how do I interact with people who are behaving as if they're hypnotized, right? Which, which is part of why I was interested in this discussion. I, I've been um, diving into Mein Kampf, which is a, a nice read. Hitler was I knew you guys were Nazis. Not worthy <laughs> at all, but, um, you know, I'm looking at his approach to how, you know, a little deeper, how he was wanting to approach, um, hypnotizing people into his philosophy, right? Into getting the propaganda out there. And it's, it's very eerie how how that's parallel even though if you compare things to the nazis these days you get canceled from what i understand but Uh. it's right there and you're like wow check check i i I don't know like the best manifesto i've ever read by the way is about coffee roasting and it was about 80 pages long every other manifesto (laughs) it's got to be like thicker than i am I, i don't know why that's required but so let's let's talk about then opting out of normal why, why would a person want to opt out of normal and stop calling it the new normal? It's almost like we buy into that narrative when we call it the new normal. I don't, I don't think that they're going to have a choice. Honestly, I think that they're just going to be incentivized by their own financial interests, right? Like look at what cryptocurrency is doing right now. If you're not in that boat, you're missing out right now. And the same could be said of, so many different things that agorists are partaking in. You see grocery stores in New Mexico closing down when we've been telling people to grow their own food for how long? So like really like to participate in all the things that we're talking about, the counter economy is really it's in your best interest. And that's the way we're going to draw people in, not by like part political participation or going door to door and canvassing neighborhoods. So like I think that like if they want to prepare for the new normal, they better get on board with all the shit that we discuss here. I mean, your thoughts, Jack, I, I think that like, just we, I think we should start off with what is normal and not the dictionary definition of the word, but what do people mean when they say normal in society today? Normal is kid goes to school, follows all the rules, gets himself a good hundred thousand dollars worth of debt for a degree and then goes and gets a job that has nothing to do with his degree. Like, I don't know, being a barista at Starbucks, pay student loan debts for most of their life. Usually they stop, you know, finally pay them off right about the time they start drawing social security. You get in your little mobile metal coffin. People call them a car. You drive to work every day. Then you drive home. You spend more time away from the home that you spend all your money on than you do in your home. Your home consumes everything that you produce, right? Instead of your house producing for you as a homestead, it consumes every bit of your effort. Um, you drive a car that costs more than your grandparents paid for a house. That's normal. Right. I mean, that's what normal means. And when people say when they, they, they want to go back to the way things were, all they're saying is I want to spend more money and go more places and be around more people while I live this miserable existence. Because and I, I'm not against you guys know me. I'm not against partying. I throw a couple of pretty big ones every year at my house. Right. But th- why are you partying? Are you partying because you're joyful or are you partying because you're miserable and you're trying to spark some joy into your life? And that's what normal is. That's why people spend all the money they have. That's why you tell them to invest in cryptocurrency. I don't have any money. Uh, yeah, surprise <laughs> that. You know, like that's why people on the way to work stop and buy a $5 coffee at Starbucks when there's a coffee in a break room at their office. And it's because they don't actually want to go to work. And it's one way to delay that a little bit. It's why people stop at the bar on the way home, right? Because I'd rather be in the bar than in my own house. That's why people seek these, what you call a third place, right? That, that escapes this normal that we all supposedly want to be part of. If, if normal was so great, 
then people would run home and want to be in their house, right? And if you build that kind of lifestyle, that's what you do instead of being miserable. So that's where I think we have to start is like define what people mean when they say normal. And once you do that, then it doesn't really matter if it's COVID or a financial crisis or whatever the next thing is they screw up. I don't know, like an electrical grid, because apparently windmills freeze when it goes down to one degree. Um, it won't matter because you're not participating in it, at least as much as possible. Yeah, I like I like the idea. I like the older normal, like the 19th century American agrarian rugged individualist normal. That's something that appeals to me, and it's something that I'm aiming to get back to. I think, like, I'm a fan of capitalism, or at least you know the ideal what I think of capitalism. What I think of myself as a capitalist, buying you know bulk product, packaging it, making investment, making risk for profit, but. I think the Industrial Revolution and the social engineering that came along with it in the 20th century really had a big influence on sh dramatically shifting the way everyone lives. And and then you had the onset of the of the cookie cutter neighborhoods and then the income tax came and socially engineered, forcing the other both spouses, both parents to be in the workforce, which made a reliance on the public school system. And that was all part of this Prussian thing. So I think. I think there's been a lot, like I'm not a big class. I mean, my class analysis is like the agorist one where it's the productive and the parasitic class. But I do think that there's a ruling class, a powerful class of people that have manipulated the course of history and the course of events and are treating the mass man and woman as a means to an end. And I think that a lot of that ha is, has been the phenomenon that established the normal, the, the midterm normal that Jack was just talking about. And the new normal is just kind of that plus technology, like the old the old order of feudalism and serfdom, right? Like 17th century, 18th century, medieval, nasty stuff, divine right of kings. That's the old order. But in many senses, the new world order is a return to that. They just add technology. And that's what the Great Reset thing is. So there's this paradox at play where the technology is simultaneously making it easier for the ruling class to dominate the public but there's these amazing technologies now like the internet for example that's allowing us to broadcast this revolutionary evolutionary message cryptocurrency decentralized technology so i think we're at this really cool crossroads where we have a great opportunity to at least i don't think we're going to awaken all of the masses but i think there's a great opportunity to at least find enough people unite those people get them to help one another and defend one another to where we could establish a pretty cool normal but we just need to encourage people to believe in themselves and to like respect themselves enough not to buy into this stuff and i think if we can do that i think we're going to be okay and there's possibilities for like this new convergence of the old the cool rugged individualism, grow your own food, know how to work on the car and stuff like that, plus this new technological advancement where we can be connected. We don't have to go so deep into the matrix that we lose our humanity, but I think there's this great synergy that we can find. And, uh, yeah. You know, it's funny that you talk about the rugged individualism because as those of us who have moved out of the city are out on the land, you just naturally start putting practices into your life, best practices into your life to endure through what's going to happen. And uh, when, before this call started, Jack and I were joking that like we were the two people who went through the most hell in the last few days, although John's probably right there with us and we're right here on the show. Right. And you know, this morning I didn't have internet because 
of an ice storm and people were checking on me because they were worried I didn't have heat. A lot of people, like I probably had 10 or 12 different people reach out. Are you okay? Are you warm enough? And they know, and I'm thinking to myself, like they know me really well. They know I heat with wood. It doesn't matter how many power lines snap. I still have a wood stove and I still, nothing has changed. And I think as you start building your life, the way you want it to be. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody needs to go have a wood stove, right? That's just what I like. Uh, you'll find that you build those things in and what what is a big weather event can turn into not much has changed, really. Mm. And and that's when I start thinking about opting out of the new normal. I start thinking about how to, asking yourself questions like, how do I want to live? What's important to me? And then how do I not only build that into my life, but in a way that will endure through the ups and downs of what happens in society and weather and finances and illness and all of those things that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And those sorts of like, those, those sorts of like local production facilities, Nicole, are going to become increasingly important as the state sort of, as, as the collapse sort of speeds up. So you make a good point. I think all of you do too. Like, I think it was Jack who brought up joy and, you know, this, the normal that we have, the old normal, you know, after the industrial revolution has been this joyless, uh, cog in a machine sort of thing. And I think that, you know, as youth, the, the pursuit of joy is beaten out of us unless we have a strong spirit and are like, well, this is my life and I'm going to enjoy it. Right. I'm going to enjoy while I'm here. And that's what got me out of the quote unquote normal and pursuing that, which made me happy. It helps that I don't care what anybody thinks about me while I still <laughs> care about them. Um, like I care about people, but I don't care what they think. Right. I want them to be happy and I want them to be fulfilled. And back in the day, like what, what, uh, John was talking about, you know, we were still building civilization. We were building something and looking forward to something. And there was a lot of inspiration there and people were able to build the life of their dreams. And we still have that. We just have a lot more noise. The signal to noise ratio is off the charts and people get pulled into little eddies on the stream of life that, that they end up spinning in. And there's a lot more of those people now than there are actually pursuing that, that stream of life that flows through all of us. And so just naturally stepping back from all of it and saying, okay, well, what makes me really happy? You know, yeah. I think it's this. I go and try that for a little while. No, it's this. Maybe no. And then I find like, like all of you have to some degree <clears> or another. I want to be home. I want to be playing with my kids. I want to be generating my own power. I want to be able to control the parameters of my life so that something like a storm or unexpected hurricane or whatever is something that I can weather and just be like, Meh, it's all good, you know? And that way I can have more time to build relationships and actually have a good life. And this whole like great reset thing, you don't have to, you know, they're going to put out universal basic income and all this stuff, but the people who are miserable are just going to be more miserable. So it, it really, to me, is like, how do we inspire people to actually want to have and, and believe that they can have joy in their lives? And it's not, you know, a, a death sentence. Cool. Okay. And for those of you watching on YouTube, just wanted to let you know, we have not been able to, to see the chat. I just managed to get it up. So if you have questions or comments, feel free to put them in all caps. I don't know. YouTube was having an indigestion moment, I believe, at the beginning of this episode. So, Jack, do you have something to add? Yeah, I, what I wanted to say was, like, I think it's important that we realize that none of this is really new. 
this idea of being manipulated and pushed into something because of people that are in power. I'm sorry about that. I can't get that to stop. Um, I mean, even people that we think of in libertarian circles often as being like great thinkers or whatever, like John Locke talked about the problems at the time moving into the industrial revolution of the peasants that wouldn't go to the city to work. Like why, you know, why would this guy leave his, you know, his dad's farm? They kill a couple of pigs a year. They get drunk on apple cider. I mean, I don't remember the exact article I read, but like it was a long time ago when I read that <laughs> article and I, the way I thought of Locke, I was like, what the fuck? Like this guy's an evil bastard. Like I had no idea, <laughs> you know, cause I was still a baby libertarian at the time. And I'm like, hey, no, you need to read this. I'm like, oh, fuck him. You know, I mean, like this idea that. What's going on now is something new, is ridiculous. The reality of the human condition is there's so much abundance in the world. If you focus like the first 10 years of your adult life, and I wish I knew this when I was 18. If you focus the first 10 years of your adult life on nothing but setting your life up so that you'll be able to have everything you need in your life, you can literally fuck off 99% of the time for the rest of your life. I mean, you, if you dedicate that 18 to 28 when you have the ability to work three jobs or whatever, and, and you don't mind sleeping in the back of a pickup truck or whatever, to just, I want a house that's like, you know, uses passive solar gain, has a, a garden, and at that point, you can end up with like 80% of your needs covered. So you only have to work for 20% of what you need. Before we had this fossil fuel, which, by the way, a stat I picked up this week reading a book called Frugal Hedonism, was that the amount of energy the average person in America or Australia or England uses, if it had to be provided by humans, we'd have to have between 110 to 140 slaves apiece. That's how much energy we're able to get from this modern industrial age. It's wow. not necessarily bad, but when we become completely dependent like on it, we start finding out right now when it gets shut off, then you don't build your life with the kind of resiliency. So if you think about the 1600s in a peasant family, well, mm -hmm. they built resiliency in their life because they didn't have 140 slaves or a few barrels of oil to take care of it for them. So it was very hard to move those people to whatever the next plantation was, right? Where now people are so dependent on that. They're so vulnerable to that. And we don't have to live this way. If you look into building technologies, if you look into the way to create community without necessarily creating like a, uh, like a commune or something like that or a planned community, like I'm really digging now into everybody talks about Bill Mollison with, uh, permaculture, but the co-founder, David Holgram, I'm digging in his concept of like retro suburbia. Like this is where people live. We already have all this infrastructure. Let's convert this stuff and build community nice. the way Nicole's doing it where it's not like let's all get together and go to a place, but like, I'm going to work with the people that are here that don't suck, right? And and it's amazing. Like, most people don't actually suck in spite of the fact that they were out walking on Lake Worth today and and, and attempting suicide by, you know, ice bath. Um, most people don't suck. M most people have been conditioned to live a life that sucks, and then they go into conformity to get along. And when you start living boldly, you know, one by one, the dominoes start falling. We're like, oh, those people over there are pretty awesome. Like, I want to go hang out with Nicole and make – Freaking stone soup or whatever. Like that just naturally happens when you just start living this way. And the way we've been controlled is to be convinced that that 10 year period that should be put into establishing your life, building a house you can give to your grandkids should be spent in their institutions, developing debt that you're going to carry until you retire. And, and, and it's so it's, it's actually really easy to fix, but it just requires completely understanding that they're full of shit and they've been trying to control you since, you know, your great great grandfather was in diapers.
And as soon as you understand that, you can you can take control of your life. Yeah, and it it doesn't have to be anything grandiose. What is okay? I'm having a blank on a name of somebody who comes to your workshop. Um, I think his dad's Bruce, and he has the van. That guy. Do you I know who you mean. Um, yeah, the guy that he's all jacked. He's got like guns. He's awesome. I totally know his name. Sorry for not remembering your name on Unloose Leaders. Anyway, he's done that, right? He's yeah. got skills as a chef. He's traveled around the country and decided, screw paying rent in high rent areas. I'm going to trick out a van. I'm going to have solar panels to recharge it. I'm going to be self-sufficient in this. And it's he's just like, I'm going to live the life I'm going to live. And, and he does it. He eats what he wants to eat. He goes and is where he wants to be. And when he needs to earn money, he figures it out. And uh, I have nothing but admiration for him doing that at such a young age. I wish I would have realized that in my 20s. And people like that are so fun to be around yeah. because they're alive with life. You know, uh, that's and that's first. inspiring. I like the joy element. Uh, every, you know, everyone's always focused on getting off the grid, self-sufficiency, preparedness, money, finances, freedom, right? Uh, and, you know, with all those things, it's easier to pursue happiness and joy. But, like, really meditating on what it is that brings you joy, like what things in life, playing with the kids, gardening, working in your business or whatever it is, and then try to just build your life around that. And this Grant Cardone success sales marketing guy. He's the 10 X guy. Absolutely incredible. If you're in business or if you're in a rut or anything, he's so motivational and he has so many great tactics, but he was talking about how he didn't, he doesn't like put the business or his job and then he works his life around that. He builds, he works all the pieces around his life, his ideal life, which even though the dude's like, has a $2 billion in assets and stuff. And he's filthy rich. Like he's spends time with his kids a lot. And he realized like, okay, I'm going to make a bunch of money. I'm going to work my butt off, but it's going to enable me to buy a private jet. And anytime I go on a work trip, we're bringing the kids and we're bringing the nanny and it's going to turn into a fun play trip as well. And so I think yes. the concept of aligning with what brings you joy with what just, you know, that feeling when you're just like in the zone and like, you're just so happy and you think about it for the following week. You're like, dang, that was so amazing on set. Like at Jack's freaking workshop. That was a blast. I was high on that for a while after that, you know, like thinking back and continuing the relationships online and stuff. And so you find that and then you build everything else. Everything else is a means to that end rather than having to, oh, I'm, I came home cranky. My life's not, you know, I'm yelling at my kids now because I'm working so hard so I can provide for my kids. But when I'm with my kids, I'm a freaking jerk. It doesn't work that way. So find what lights your heart on fire, what brings you joy, and then build around that so everything feeds into that. You know, sometimes it's perspective, too, about what brings you joy. You may not realize the things you enjoy doing, like literally running around in the snow here for the last couple of days, <laughs> um, making sure we have backup heat sources and, you know, can recharge our devices if we want. Like, that was fun for me. <laughs> it was fun because I have four neighbors around me. We're kind of like a little <laughs> pod. And I got to hang out with them and make chili on the wood stove and, like, Cool. Some people would complain about that. You know, Jack told me before the show something about up to his knees in ice water and never been happier because. Because the water came back on. Because the water came back on. Like you're like, woo, it's the small victories. Um, sometimes what we call work and isn't fun really is. And if you realize that you can have fun while doing it, 
And it does change your whole attitude about everything else around you. That's something that you can do with if anybody out there has kids. Like I started early with my kids. Like, okay, you have to wash dishes. These are your chores. You have to fold your laundry. You have to make your lunch for school. But you can either cry about it and then be miserable the whole time, or you can figure out a way to have it be fun. There are going to be things that you're going to have to do in your life that are not going to be fun. But you can still come at it with joy, whether it's internal, you know, dialogue or just, you know, imagination or singing. And so they've all found coping ways to to actually make their chores fun. And that's how I've approached business and work and all the things that I used to find as drudgery. And, you know, now it's it's like all 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 engines are burning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Doing the cleanup or whatever the right phrase is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Clean up, clean up. Everybody, everybody. But all of these things to get <laughs> to get out of the, the norm, you know, you have to have if you want to say no to something, you have to have something you want to say yes to. So you have to have a clear idea of what that vision of your life looks like. You know, um, what 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 brings you joy? What makes is it traveling? Well, then how can you build your business or your life style to be to be doing that all the time? You know, and and then then. Because the new norm, quote unquote norm, is that catch all for anybody who's not in control of their lives, not in mm. control of their own destiny. And so they're just caught up. And it's almost like, well, yeah, of course, this is the the manipulation that people are kind of being shoved into because they're not wild and free and determining their own destiny. It's almost like they deserve it. I like that. You know what John so was for saying? For people was- listening who maybe haven't taken the first steps towards building the life they want to live. Um, how does somebody get started if they're like, yes, but I've already got the debt. I've already got the family that has certain lifestyle expectations. I'm already, you know, upside down in my house, whatever that is. And I see this coming. What next? Got to make a decision is the first step. You got to decide, like, I'm going to change my life. Um, not just I want to or like that would be great, but you like commit to it. I, I always start with mindset. Mindset, I think, is absolutely critical. Some people stop at mindset, and then it's just like a hairy fairy hippie kind of dance going on. But you start with the mindset, and um, something that Hawk was saying resonated with me, like focus on where you want to go, your ideal self or your ideal life, and you allow that to pull you towards that rather than focusing and being miserable about where you're at and what you don't have or the, uh, the lack of what you have. And then, like, one thing that is good it's just the same concept rather than spending so much time focused on the new normal and the new world order and economic problems and the great reset and like using fear as a motivator. Think about your new normal. Like, what do I want my new normal to be like? And we can kind of co-opt that concept and, and the new normal for, for someone that wants a better life is like, what does that life look like? What does the money sense look like? What does the family, what does the relationships look like? And use that to pull. So I would say the first step is to make a decision and to get your mind right. Sal, did you I have think, something? Or sorry, Jack. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Jack. I was going to say, I, no, I'm um, take, 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 take it, take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I, what I want to kind of do is pull back with that question, but back further to what John was saying earlier about how that gentleman he was mentioned designed his business around his life instead of his his life around his business, right? So you start from that point and it, it weirdly meshed with some stuff and research I've been doing on like house, you know, housing design. Um, this guy was showing how to do uh, straw bell houses and thermal mass and all this stuff. But the most interesting thing I got out of his documentary was 
He said, most people get a piece of land and they find like the most interesting, beautiful piece of land on that, you know, thing. And that's where they want to put their house. And he's like, that's, that's not what you do. The house is going to become that spot. So you look for the shittiest place, the most featureless place. And that's where you put your house. And then you decide, well, what's the most beautiful thing I can see from this point, right? And then so then you you know you kind of build the front of your house with that. You have to take solar aspect into it all. But in the end, what you're doing is you're kind of figuring out, well, the house goes in this crappy place, so where does the front door go? And then you design the house around the door. And I, I've never heard anybody explain it that way. That might seem different than what John was talking about. It's really not. Like, we should be figuring out, from the point of what do I want to see in my life and designing our lives that way instead of I'm going to do everything I'm told to do so that eventually I can have this, this, this dream. I mean, I've talked about it for years. They show you these, you know, financial advisor commercials uh, for like Ameri uh, Amex or whatever, you know, your financial. And they show these two old people that are like 70 years old, but they're a picture of health. They got their jeans rolled up and they're walking down a beach together at sunset or something. It's like, Most people, by the time they're 70, they're not going to be doing that. We need to be doing that in the prime of our life and not just yeah. two weeks a year. So you start from what you want. And as far as, well, what do you do if you're already not, you know, you've already kind of committed? Well, when do you stop making a mistake? When you figure out you're making a mistake. If you put your hand on a, on a stove and it's burning the shit out of your hand, like, you don't go like, you know, I already put it there. Uh, I should probably leave it, even though it's now smoking and smoldering and blistering. No, you pull it away. And the yeah. problem is we make these really bad choices, but they only hurt a little bit every day over time. And they cripple us as beings. But because it only hurts a little bit, since it's not that acute fire pain, we keep dealing with it. So once you realize that you're destroying yourself, then you just have to stop. And I know it's easier said than done, but you can. And so what you're talking about is a type one error. A type one error is like when you put a house somewhere and it's going to flood. At some point, you realize, okay, then that house is going to be a shed, and I'm going to build a house somewhere else. You actually have to just rebuild. And I know it's scary, but it's harder to do tomorrow than it is today. I mean, it's that simple. Yep, Sal. Yeah, and we could, we, could, we could use that philosophy on social media too, Jack. I think I remember it was you who said, like, you know, go out and build the following in these other communities before we wait, wait, wait for these platforms to build up. So, um. I mean, I, I think just in terms of like a new normal, in my mind, it helps to like take a step back and again, like, how do we get here? Like, what is the new normal? And to me, it's all about like the Federal Reserve. And I think the Federal Reserve has created such a disaster that in my mind, I think the coronavirus has just been manufactured as a scapegoat for the bankers to provide this liquidity injection, a quote unquote stimulus that's necessary to keep the bankers Ponzi scheme alive. That's what it's all about it's, to me. It's, so like, it's almost like they planned I mean, it, huh? <laughs> it is, exactly. So, like, it's not even, I don't think, I'm not sure that they're malintentioned. I just think that they're just, they were so uh, incompetent. They've gotten themselves into a corner where now they're stuck in a sort of trap. And they have no, they have no option but to make it worse. So then, like, the question for us as agorists is, well, how, like, how should we respond to that? And I think the answer, again, is like self-sufficiency, become your own bank, right? Like grow your own food, all the things that we're talking about. And everybody else here mentioned uh, an important point, like happiness and stuff. I think a lot of that goes back to the, the Federal Reserve and the central bank again, because, you know, they're the ones who by they, they create an artificial artificially high time preference uh, by devaluing the currency. So that that sort of 
forces everybody into a state of like moral degeneracy, right? Where everybody prefers like instant gratification over mm-hmm. like long-term saving and like, you know, this way you can like save up and like you have more capital for production. We don't want that. Everybody's out on Friday night buying beer and, you know, getting drunk and stuff like that. So it all goes back to the bank. And I think it, it, that's why I say the most important thing that someone could do as an agorist is to become your own bank. Because once you do that, all of these things sort of go away, right? You sort of, you begin to behave in a more moral fashion because you're not using that shit fiat money anymore. Um, and a lot of other dominoes fall into place too. Like you become like an entrepreneur, you become more like focused on family. Like you, you have, you're more long-term oriented in general. So to me, yeah. like it's all about the federal reserve and be, the solution is to become your own bank. I really think the point of not reacting out of fear is most important when you have found yourself on the wrong path, type one error, as Jack said, all the way, like all the way down the path, fully committed to that 40,000 or 60,000 student debt, all of the things that, that is built into our lives. If your re, if your next step comes out of fear, it's more likely you will make a really bad decision and make it worse. And one of the things about the Great Reset that I think we don't talk about much is I think part of why they're being so transparent about what they want to see is they're triggering a fear reaction from people. And then they Mm -hmm. can use that to their advantage, right? And I had that reaction when I read it too, but then like, they can say this is the world we're going to have, but they, can they really make that happen? How can they make that happen? Well, if if we all hear that and push back on it because of fear or from a place of fear, rather than say, no, nah, we're just going to go over here and build what we want to have. Uh, I think that's how they manipulate that a, a situation that's closer to that reality than any of us would like to see. Yeah. So that, 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 that's my thought about first steps is, Find a way to step out of the box, get away from the fear. That, that That's ultimately the answer, the opting out. There's so much value in that, this exit and build. Um, I posted recently in social media that this snowstorm, ice storm, really ignited the fire. It was already burning pretty, pretty strong, but it's burning really strong now for me and my girlfriend to accelerate our plans to buy property. Um, and we want to do this year, hopefully by mid-year. And I was just thinking like, wow, you know, just the thought of the heater going out and the instability, instability and uncertainty, really, I do not like right now. I went through a divorce and like there's all this chaos and stuff and I just cannot deal with it. It's not good for life, for quality of life, for emotional stability. And so I was like, I just, man, I, I want to really dig into this property. And so I posted that and it was supposed to inspire people saying we can't be dependent on these centralized institutions, so on and so forth. And a lot of the responses in the greater reset chat on Telegram, interestingly enough, and surprisingly, they're like, because I just said, yeah, we're going to get a property on the outskirts of town. And people are like, wow, that's don't run away from the problem. Or you're <laughs> what about and if someone's like, what about all the poor people in the world that we need to help save and stuff? And I was like, hold on, did you did you not read my post? And they're like, don't go hide. And I'm like, do you not know what I'm doing with the Freedom Cell Network? Like, it's all about community. I think there's like this disconnect where people think it's some sort of escapism, when in reality, it's the most effective thing that people can do to get the heck out of the matrix and to build our own thing and then to link up and stay connected with one another. That is the answer. That's the solution to so many of life's problems. 
And I just, that just kind of hopped in my brain when, when Nicole was sharing her piece because the people, I don't know. I mean, they thought that I was afraid for like, and I was retreating somehow. And I no, think that they don't think disconnect. you're afraid. They're afraid. Yeah. So they're projecting their exactly. fear on you, right? Oh, because, that's good. That's good. Because they don't have the balls to do what you're going to do. They want to sit around and intellectually masturbate about how wonderful it could be, uh, but they don't want to actually jump. So when somebody leaves, it's like, oh, shit, he's leaving us. I want him to stay here. Misery loving company, right? Like, mm. it's great to sit around and complain. And, and I mean, that's something I've had to realize that I have this incredible community, but a large number of people that are not really in the community, just more listeners and participants, they just want to hear how bad everything is. Yeah. They want mm -hmm. to feel like they're not alone in hating it, but they don't want to actually take a risk. And whenever people start taking risk, then they're like, well, wait, you're running away or whatever. And what do you mean run away? No, like, you're running to something. You didn't say I was going to 10 buck freaking two and I'm going to live in a hole. You know, I'm going to get out of this, this, this nightmarish city and go build a community somewhere. Oh, you're running away. Uh, and a lot of people deal with this. The guy that does dollar vigilante, I just heard him talking about it. Like right when Bitcoin exploded, he's like, and he talked about, he said, maybe I won't keep doing these videos. And he's like, people are like, Oh, so you're all rich now. You're just going to abandon us. He's like, motherfuckers, I've been doing this shit for 15 years. I've been telling you about Bitcoin since 2012. Like, what do you like? Like, if I do one more video, then you're going to have your own little dog and walk on the beach in Acapulco. But but because I quit one video short, you're stuck in wherever you are. And that's what that mindset is, John. And you just have to be like, whatever, because like I just did a post on MeWe about how a couple days ago, like I quit trying to red people, red pill people long ago. Like you wake up, you start looking for help. There's plenty of it here. And, and people said the same thing. Oh, you're just leaving people behind. Well, what do you want me to do? Come to your house, pick you up like you're my bride and I'm carrying you across the threshold? Like, you want me to breathe for you? Like, at some point, you've got to do it. And when they won't, and you will, oh, man, that's that's the person. You know, there's two kinds of ways where people see, like, a guy with, like, a really badass car in a house or something. They're like, good for them. And then there's people, must be nice. That's the must be nice crowd. You can't, you can't mm. fix it. Well, and yeah. if we're talking about opting out of the new normal, uh, if you are the person running to the thing you want, and you see something happen and it makes you run to it faster. You have to have the fortitude to just do that. And there's always going to be somebody who who's going to accuse you of running away, but running to something you want is not running away. That's, that's, that's not like the person a that was in a point. box car in Nazi Germany going, get in the freaking car with us. Like, you know, like, uh, it brings ah. up a really good point. And, and I think it's back to the, the same topic. It's like, you want to go towards something. You don't want to resist something. If you're resisting, you're not going to have enough energy to move towards what you want. You're going to be pushed and you're going to be pushed by that thing, whatever that is, the new normal, the great reset, whatever, into where it wants you. But if you're deciding where you're going, then it's a positive movement. It's like you're actually doing something positive. And, you know, I, I guess not everybody's built for that, but it, it'd be, it sure would be nice. That's why it's so important what Nicole was saying earlier about how she brought up that point about how she has like a wood stove. So she doesn't, she, it doesn't matter for her if the whole power grid goes down. She's still got heat. That's what it's all about. It's all about creating these local production facilities that, that you can be self-sufficient with. Don't get me wrong. Yep. I wish I had that solar array on my house, but I haven't found one yet. You'd be up there with a broom right now. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> resiliency. If you're if you're if you're forging your own path and your own destiny, you have to think about resiliency. You, you have to think about how do I take care of maintaining this forward momentum or this positive energy 
you know, and so you think about power, you think about food production, you think about all of these holistic attributes of the human experience and you, it, it gives you money, you're more fulfilled. Yeah. Money, all of that. And, and, but if you're resisting all the time, then you're not thinking about those things. You're again, you're getting pushed to wherever the thing wants you to be, which is yeah. really great. You were saying that earlier, Nicole, you were like, um, it, it, you, you brought that up as well. You were, you were basically saying, you know, you can't run from these things. And if you're, if you're, if you're, uh, they planned for that, you know, they planned for the resistance. They planned for people countering it, you know, and what they haven't planned for is what if people just do what they want to do anyway and, and are not fighting it, but are, are headed toward their own direction. Heck Although yeah. the move it's, from it's New weird. Jersey to Florida was a good one. So. Yeah, that was a good move. What was that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, no, 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 no. Uh-oh, the internet in Florida is not so good. It's so good. Sal's case Just hacked his Bitcoin wallet. Probably I've ever made. Bitcoin cash wallet. Back? Yeah. Am I back? He's back. Say it again, you're back. Am I back? I'm back. Um, I forget what I was saying. So I just, I was just saying that how much better Florida than Jersey. Yeah, we could do a whole show on that. Do something, not away, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> he looked at the bar and it said closed one too many times. He's like, the hell with this shit. <laughs> yeah. God, the internet, where are bars open? West coast of Florida? Here Florida. Um, I think what's, what's important and uh, a big difference between those that sit around and complain. And now that I'm spending a lot more time on Telegram, we nipped it in the butt. And we did a show about this a couple weeks ago about communities and how to maintain cohesion and deal with stuff. Uh, but there's all this forwarding, like like they forward it on Telegram. You forward from another group, and everyone just wants to forward the latest news and fear store stuff and all this stuff about the vaccine. And we just tell people in the <laughs> like, assume we all know the problem. We're here to focus on solutions. All posts must be about solutions or organizing. But I think the big difference between the folks that are committed to their path and that have goals and they see they have a vision for the future and they're building it. And the folks that are complaining and worried about the Great Reset, so on and so forth, is the the group that's not freaked out and is committed to their path, they are busy doing stuff. And the group that's complaining or infighting or arguing or researching and sharing posts, they don't do a whole lot of stuff. And back to my guy, Grant Cardone, man, I've been watching him a lot. And that's why he's all in my head. He talks about white space on the calendar is the devil. He was a former drug addict. And one of the things he realized, I don't think he did like all the healing, the trauma based healing stuff. His solution was, I'm just going to stay busy. I'm not going to have time to do drugs. Right. That's one of the reasons why I quit drinking, because like I became an entrepreneur. I had kids. I can't afford a freaking hangover on any day. And on a day that I'm hung over and it wastes half my afternoon, I'd rather be productive or reading a book or working on my business or playing with the kids. And so the best thing you could do to kind of shift towards the the productive and the proactive is to just start doing stuff, just action items, make a list, fix the stuff around the house, set up the encrypted email, finally plant that garden or expand that garden or whatever. Just stay busy doing productive stuff and you won't even have time to worry about the new normal or to fret about the great reset. Yeah, I think there's some advice in that, like, if no one's bitching about what you're doing, you're not doing enough. Like somebody should be like if you're in the public eye anywhere where people can see you more than a couple hundred people can see you. Somebody should be bitching about what you're doing or you're not doing anything meaningful. 
Like, if you don't have haters, like, what are you doing? You don't even, you don't even have haters, bro. Like, do you even have haters, bro? <laughs> does, does, Twitter, does Twitter count? Right. We need a meme yeah. with that. You know, do you, do, like the old one was, do you even lift, bro? Do you, do you even have haters, bro? <laughs> <laughs> does, does Twitter it, count as a hater? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh oh. Yeah. Deep platforming. Is it, isn't it funny though how like, isn't it funny that how like the more the state collapses, right? The, sh- the shittier everything gets, the more valid our solutions are proven to be. Like, like the more like the agorist philosophy gets proven, the, the, the worse it gets, it seems like. I think what's really cool about what's happening right now is that actually, because people who I've gently, who I love a lot, who I've gently hoped would come a little closer to my philosophy have started reaching out and asking me how to yeah. questions. And yeah. the best thing you can do yeah. that is answer it and then not go further and just let them keep coming to you. Because if you, if you, if you do the, I told you so thing, which I see people oh. doing, yep. you lost them. Why, why would you do that? And it's, it's very cool how this is affording opportunities for more and more people to become more self-reliant, to own their futures and to own their happiness. Yeah. yeah, I got um a, a buddy of mine, his his cousin um called me recently and he was like, hey, I just want to let you know. He's like, you probably don't remember, but we were at a party together like five or six years ago and you told me to buy Bitcoin. He's like, and I did. And he made like sixteen thousand dollars or something like that. And he called me to thank me. But now he like took his family and they all they all moved, they all moved down here to Florida. They're in uh, Punta Gorda or something like that. So nice. like, it just goes to show you, though, how like. Like all the solutions that you need for all of this new world order nonsense, they're all in the the agorist philosophy. Counter economics really has can can offer it all to you. Yeah, cool. Opt out. Counter economics is is the essence of opting out. That's what it is. Just opting out of all of the white market control paradigm and just doing the alternative thing. It's It's a cool time that we're living in for sure. It's we a transition about, phase. We hear about counter economics as a solution, but a lot of people get confused by the term counter economics. Yeah, they think it means necessary. It must be illegal activity. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, that, that, that was my first thought about it a long time ago, too. It was like, that must mean drug dealing. <laughs> yeah. And not there's the drug dealing is not counter Freedom, man. Freedom. No, drug dealing's great. There's but a, there's a, the, like, well, you got different kinds of drug dealing, but like what, what, what Hawk's talking about, like full on like suitcases of cocaine running them up out of Miami or something like that. That is like counter economics, but it probably is not the best, uh, the, the best way to have a great life. You know, because no. you'll try to quit a little while. And pull you back in, right? Like, oh, yeah. you know. There's a broad definition that Konkin has of counter economics and it's, uh, those actions and thoughts, I think, are just actions that evade and defy the state. So anything that defies the state, like this broadcast, for example, is counter economic activity. When you obviously when you like shift your taxes around a little bit, or you get creative with your write offs, for example. But anything that it defies the state, not wearing a mask, uh, it's all defying the state. And that's the broader term. Well, because the big deal um, they cut was they made us believe that they're necessary. Yeah. Right? Nobody actually is like, you know what we need? We need the state to be involved in this. Like, if you look at every, look at marriage, the way they've made so many legal hurdles to people that just want to like be together but not be married by the state. Because can you really imagine like before marriage was what it is? 
like a man and a woman that loved each other, going, man, we got everything. This is the greatest thing in the world. You know what we need? We need a piece of paper from the state. That's mm-hmm. If we had that, that would be the last thing, and it would make everything perfect. And we need a piece of paper that says that we have these certain contractual obligations to each other. But if we move to another place, they get to change our contractual obligations without asking us. If we just had that, then that would be great. But you know what else we need? We need a separate court system to where if it doesn't work out, we go mediate how we how we manage our children and the state gets to tell us how to do that in a private court system where one of us will have absolutely no recourse if we just had and you just keep going like who the hell thought this was a good idea well nobody thought it was a good idea the lawyers so did all to you just the way that nobody thought it was a good idea to wear three masks and have an anal swab a year ago they sold it to you yeah yeah i i'm so puzzled by Because there's always like people on the right that hate the government or or they're so upset with the federal government or their state government now. And then there's people on the left that are pissed off and it changes and stuff. And when you try to talk to them like, hey, maybe there's a better way to do things. Like someone was said today about the ERCOT stuff in Texas. They're one of the institutions that totally botched the the power load, and they're doing these rolling blackouts that are just blackouts. And they're like, raise your hand if you're ready for new leaders in Texas. Right. Everyone's raising their hand. They're so excited. I said, raise your hand if you're ready to lead yourself. And then the girl's like, well, that's not that's not very practical to think about the, the leading themselves, right? More and it's like, what's well, more practical people. that new leaders are all of a sudden going to fix the problem, right? There's always been new leaders, right. and they really did inculcate the, the the minds of the masses to to not even be able to comprehend the possibility of social relationships without hierarchy and coercion. And I think the best way to show people is to demonstrate. And that's what we're trying to do with the Freedom Cell Network. That's what cryptocurrency has demonstrated. Like, wow, we can have a global currency, a store of value, uh, decentralized public ledgers without any central party at all. And so no trusted parties. Why can't we do that with the provision of government, right? Or the provision of a social organization, cohesion, stability, And we can, and we're doing it, and it's cool, and we're going to talk about it, and people are finally going to be like, oh, I see, that that's cool, yeah. See, and this isn't new for you, John. I remember, the, like, like, the first time I think I ever met you in real life was at Free State, years mm-hmm. ago up in New Hampshire, and we were kind of, like, loosely attached to this group, and this guy was defining some, I don't even remember what the problem was, but, right, like, I know I'm going to be working with this guy for a long time. Somebody said something like, so what should we do? And he starts laying out his plan to get a constitutional amendment passed that would fix it all. And John just goes like this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I want to talk to this guy more. <laughs> like just, he's like, I'm not even gonna, I can see him next thing and I'm not even going to say anything because it's not going to matter. Oh, man. And that yeah. had to be like eight years ago or something now. Maybe. But we were all there at one point, though. We all, we all believed in the political system at one point. We're all guilty of it. That's why he was gracious and didn't slam the guy. He just like. <laughs> I had a slamming phase. That was for sure. I had my <laughs> nose way up in the sky about anarchism and agorism. These fools. And there's a transition. We all evolve, right? Like yeah. I, for a considerable amount of time, was just totally focused on the problem, listening to Infowars every day. I thought I was so superior to everyone because I was awake, right? And I was like all stressed out and freaked out all the time and, and like turning off my high school buddies. They were like, oh, great. John's coming to the drinking party. He's just going to talk about 9-11 the whole freaking time that we don't <laughs> even want to hang out with me. You know, <laughs> it's a it's a phase. I hope one thing that this podcast can do is help people to skip the phase of 
unproductivity and freaking out and turning off your friends and family and just go straight to the solution. Or at least shorten it, right? Like, yeah, shorten yeah. it. Yeah. There was a time in my life where my coworkers would bring up Portland Transit just to watch me vent for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Let's tweak the call. Yeah. Your turn. Go. Do I it. think light rail is good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and that's, that's like when they didn't want to be productive. Do you guys find yourself bored with that kind of discussion now? Like when people are like, "Hey, man, did you hear?" And you're like, mm. you know, "It doesn't even matter if it, I haven't heard it before. It fits a pattern that I already know exists, and it has no solutions whatsoever to know they fucked something else up. Of course they did. Like, did you hear <laughs> with this person the law they want to? I don't give a shit anymore. I don't, I'm not going to follow it anyway. Right. Right. So, <laughs> like, oh great. That, but wait a minute. Hold on. What kind of law? Because what can I sell? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, I mean, that's about like. all it is. Have you heard this? It's like, hey, what's this? Like, oh, everybody's talking about Section 128 or some gun control bill. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what it is. I have no desire to learn what it is because I'm not going to follow it anyway. So don't even waste my time. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of debates, too, about the new. Like, the Libertarian Party is infamous for this, debating the nuance of some libertarian theory or how does libertarianism apply to abortion or this, that, or the other. It's like, who gives a shit? Let's go do stuff. <laughs> Everybody's got to go through that, though. There's also the I'm more libertarian than you are sniff test. Oh, yeah. The new libertarian. Yeah. Don't forget that. It's, you're not it's a like Conkin said, though. Like, Conkin said, agorism, he, I think he, like, he quoted Yoda, right? He's like, do or do not. There is no try, right? It's all about action. You can't have agorism without action. So that's why it's literally in the slogan. What is it like? Agora, action, and anarchy, right? That's yeah. That's the slogan, so. But see, we were on the new normal, right? So everything in the normal revolves around thought and speech rather than do, right? If you mm. think about, like, what's the solution to the fact that – because I'm not a big global warming guy or nothing, but I do agree that we are, like, fucking the planet up, like, warming or not, because it doesn't seem very warm out there. But, like, the stuff we're doing to the planet is an ecological disaster, but the solution is not, oh, we're going to tax oil higher. That, that, that's not going to fix anything. The solution, and the people get pissed at me because I, I won't bow down to you know, Greta Thornburg or whatever the hell her name is, is, <laughs> it, it, you know, like what I'm doing in my life, my actions are so far beyond what all these people that are so big on we need to do something ever or will ever do. But I don't blame them because they've been conditioned by our system to believe that what you say and how you think is more important than what you do, which is why I call it a religion. Because that's a yeah. hallmark of a religion, right? Like, if you profess the right things and say the right things and show up on the right days, okay, you're good. But this guy over here who's a heathen, but he's out, like, he'll give you the shirt off his back. He's, like, taking care of people. Like, oh, screw him because, or, you know, we need to get him to become one of us. I, that's the whole world we live in today. That's, that's the whole problem. And that's why I get bored with, did you hear what so-and-so did or what so-and-so wants? I don't know, want in one hand, shit in the other, see what fills up yeah. first. Cause again, we're not doing it, right? I mean, I'm just not doing it. We're going to get, they're going to make you get a vaccine. Good luck with that shit. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. what Michael Badnerick would say, you bring the syringe, I'll bring my 45 and we'll see which one leads to the bigger <laughs> <Right>. hole. <laughs> a good one. What if we, what if we go around and each share one action that we think people can take that'll make a big difference in helping them opt out of the new normal. Just one one thing. Simple things too, not like some big grandiose thing. One concrete action people can start this week. 
Anybody? I have a really simple one, and and it it would take it takes a little time to come up with it, but come up with a morning routine that sets your day off on a positive foot, and then start doing that every morning. And I know that doesn't sound very big, but when you do that and you get your mindset right going into the day, all of that other noise it's like it bounces off you all day long. And it can be as simple as I'm going to have a cup of coffee and walk around my yard and look at how the plants are doing. Or I do some morning meditation Mm -hmm. uh, before I get started so that I go into the day empowered. Yeah. Write your goals down. My grant guy, I'm jocking on him hardcore today, but he said his thing is to beat the sun up. You, you start the day beating the sun. You have a huge victory. You're up before everyone else. You have control over your life, and that kind of sets the tone. You got one, Jack, I action item listeners can take? Yeah, and it'll sound really simplistic and maybe not connected to this, but I would say learn to be a really great cook. Learn to cook, like, amazing food, whatever it is you like. I'm a big meat eater, but whatever it is you like, learn to do it cheap. Learn to be amazing at it because if you want community, invite people to dinner. Right. Start, start. And like nothing gets people doing things. So I say have a garden. You don't tell people to have a garden. You have a garden. People are like, I want that. But you, you start cooking really great food. You can build entire communities around meals and backyard barbecues and stuff like that. Like who doesn't want that in their life? And we're not going to be able to do the things we talk about alone. Like the rugged individualism. That's great. But it's like one. It's one tool in the box. Like when you have all the tools working together, that's the community aspect. But man. Food. Yeah. Who else got some? Mm, yeah, I I would say like um, you know I don't know I, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I already already mentioned I think the most important thing you could do in the whole Great Reset New World Order thing is to become your own bank. But other than that, and growing your own food, other than those two things, I would say uh, discipline. Right, you have to be disciplined. It's really it's and it's becoming increasingly important as like. As the shit is the fan, as the collapse occurs, you need to be disciplined, whether that's in your business or in your personal life or whatever it is. Now is really, it's becoming more and more important now more than ever. So and the other thing too is if you are disciplined, then a lot of the things that we spoke about won't apply to you, right? You're not going to have to deal with a lot of this uh, moral degeneracy and lack of joy, right? This whole, a lot of this yeah. stuff is tied to your job and a lack of self-sufficiency. So if you can be more disciplined in all that, then I think that'll kind of help everything kind of come into into focus. What do you got, Hawk? I would say get some crypto <laughs> and learn about cryptocurrency, learn about wallets, learn about decentralized governance. And uh, I, I agree about getting up before the sunrise. That, that shifted my whole life. And, um, yeah, that's it. Fireon.com. Yeah, I was going to say that, but then I knew you would say it. So I was like, fireon.com. Go to fireon. Learn, learn about fireon. Launch party coming up. Mine would be um, start a side hustle or at least start formulating what it's going to be, but not just think about it or spend three months writing a business plan. Just start selling stuff to your friends. Because with the new normal entrepreneurship, it it, it can help in so many ways. Like for one, if you have a big company, I was talking to an older gentleman at your workshop, Jack, and he was talking about how he had to wear a face shield now because he fought the mask. He managed and they just like Remember kicked that. the can down the road. And then HR was finally like, well, you know, can we see your doctor's notice? And he actually had a medical reason he couldn't wear it. And then he, so the compromise was a face shield, but like that's going to become even more of a thing. And they're going to do that with the vaccine. So if you're an entrepreneur, you set your own rules, right? 
And then if they try to pressure you with UBI or if your industry gets shot, right, and you're employed, then you're in trouble as well. And then another thing, like I remember early on, we did this great episode on getting out of the city. And I'd never really pushed that as like a talking point or a topic, but it's like so critical for freedom. And it's something big in my life right now. Being an entrepreneur enables you to earn the money necessary to actually make that happen. If you're stuck in employment, which has its place, especially if you do commission-based employment. But if you just have a set salary, then it's hard to achieve bigger goals, right? But as an entrepreneur, you know, you can, the sky's the limit. And I've like, I've forced my business to grow in order to pay my attorney for a divorce, for example, or to put my kids in a private school, like I'm like, man, this is going to be really tough. I want this opportunity for my kids. So let's go. Who's got my money? You know, like let's, let's, let's drive it up. And so that, I think entrepreneurship, which starts with, if, if you still have a job, like just start with a little side hustle, two hours a day, and then four hours on a weekend day, and you could really get something going. And then you do the inverse thing as it grows, you start putting more energy into it and maybe you go to part-time or maybe you just make the leap. Can I add something to that, John? Heck yeah. Yeah, because it's not going to be good at first. You're not going to be able to just take off run. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you find a thing and you've already got that gene and maybe you're lucky or whatever. But uh, when I first started Baseline, if you look back at the first episode, they effing sucked. Like, just <laughs> you, you just got to go and not look back. You know what I mean? Because you'll get better. You'll figure out the solutions for the things that you're facing like Odysseus and, you know, all of these characters in, in history and stories, they weren't the people that could succeed at the final boss fight when they started out the level. You're never going to be there. You have to just grow and go. Well, it's and trust funny that, that you'll, you, you'll learn things. It's funny that you came in with that, Xavier, because I saw over on YouTube somebody saying, need help starting a business, never been great at sales and marketing. And and that is the biggest hindrance I hear people talking about the most. And and the only advice I could really get give is to start selling and learn how to do it and learn as you go. Because as you put time into that, you get better at it. You get better at finding what people want and then establishing that need and then saying, I have a solution for your need. Mm-hmm. And closing the deal, or find someone that does that part for you, right? Because we always right. think of like people as producers and consumers, but there's really three: there's producers, there's consumers, and there's merchants, right? And maybe you're not a great merchant, but maybe you're a great producer. So if, let's like, say, you wanted to be in the food business, maybe you're great at growing food, but you can't sell it. So then you you need to find somebody who sells for you, and maybe finds other great producers. Maybe you're good at the networking part, but not the sales part. So then you can focus on the part that you're good at. Like my CPA is an amazing CPA, but it, unless it's a CPA business, like the business of being a CPA, she can't, couldn't run a business. I, I'm telling you right now, like when we talk, she's like, well, how do you do that? Well, how do you I'm like, how do you not know this stuff? Cause you're so brilliant at what you do, but she's brilliant at what she does. And her, all her money comes from people like me. You know, she's not the person that's out there doing the 1995, you know, quick, quick tax return. She's earning her money by working with entrepreneurs. And that's, that's a night, that's finding your spot. So if you can't really sell, well, you have two choices. You learn to do it or you find someone to do it for you. I mean, that's, that's how I'd approach that. Yeah. Also, I, we, we covered entrepreneurship on this show 
well, once. I know everybody here has probably covered at least once on their own show. So you, you know, the, those are right there. You've got some great resources. I had a Eureka, this guy for sales and for sales, I would encourage you to follow Grant Cardone and for marketing, I would encourage you to follow Russell Brunson. He's the funnel guy. That's why I do my free ounce of Kratom. But once you add it to cart, then you're presented with an offer to try four other types for 50% off, right? That was his little thing. And in his, in his book, dot com secrets or just in some of his speeches, he talks about there is a guy that had a funnel for a health product and the guy was making a ton of money and he was like, I don't, I do it a better way. My way is better, but the guy was just raking in crazy money. So finally he decided, you know what? I'm just going to do what that guy does. I'm just going to do exactly what that guy does, but put my own little style and my own product on it. And so if you struggle with sales and marketing, find one guru that you resonate with and then just do what they do. Just take all of their recommendations and do it. Of course, be original, add your own flavor, your own personality to it. But that helped me accelerate a whole lot. I was like, okay, I think I think this would work better, actually. But what the fuck do I know? I'm not making $100 million a year from my marketing business. So I'm going to do what these successful guys are doing. And it, it paid off and it worked. So like, if, if you're unsure and you don't have your own thing to do, then just do something else that works. I think you have to be going to do that. Make that. sure you emulate somebody who really is raking in the dough. Yeah, that's so. actually yeah. Yeah. like not the business professor, not the but one the guy that runs the business on how to rake in the dough. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yeah, and I think you have to be patient too. Like it's really easy to look at you know successful business people and go, well, man, look what they're doing. And if I do what they do, then I should be where they are. Well, maybe, but you know, there's a time limit or a time lag between getting there. You know, and I. I I do a show with like a quarter million people listen to it, but you know, it, I didn't have that at the end of my first year. It took me about six months to get to about 2000 subscribers and, and you can't make a living on 2000 subscribers. You really, unless they're like really rich and they just love you, I guess. Um, but you can make a living on a thousand true fans and you're probably going to need, you know, if you're in a content business, 10, 20,000 people to do that. Um, if you are a stonemason that does incredible stonework you can probably make a living off of four or five jobs a year. So, I mean, you, you have to dial it into what you're doing, but you also do have to realize like developing a relationship, a reputation takes time. Mastering your craft takes time. And I think a lot of times what people do is they, they come up with this idea, like I'll have this widget or this product or this service that'll be so wonderful. And in their head, they've made it more than it is. And then they put it out there and they wait for somebody to buy it. You know, and marketing isn't something you do. Marketing is a system that you employ. And once that system's employed, if it's not working, you do what John's saying. You find other people using their systems and you tweak it and you adjust it. And the other side of it is if it's an online marketing thing, you have to have a source of traffic, whether it's finding people like us and coming on podcasts with them, whether it's, you know, buying your advertising, whether it's using social media, you have to, you have like to have a funnel work, you have to put People in the top of the funnel, you have a great funnel, but if no one goes on the top, no one comes out the bottom and not everybody goes in the top is going to come out. So you got to put yep. lots of people in that funnel. When we, we you know, I, I used to run uh, sales for a huge corporation, um, but we use the same, you know, we were selling $6,000 and up computer equipment with outside sales reps that were doing demos on site, but we use the same marketing system. It was the same concept. Like you could look at a guy's report and say, you're not going to make your quota this quarter. And you go, how do you know? Cause not enough people went in the top. Mm. Right. So you, you got to like, it, it's a, it's a discipline. That's why I say if you, if you're really not into developing that discipline, develop a different discipline. Because if you have a really great product, somebody wants to sell it. 
I, I guarantee you, if you came up with like the next greatest kratom, John would want to talk to you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, send me a sample. Send me a sample. <laughs> and how's for free kratom? It applies to <laughs> it applies to everything too, right? So like, even if you're like, uh, you know, whatever job you're in, right? If you're an electrician, right? Rather than work for somebody else, go be an entrepreneur for yourself and, and put these ideas into practice for yourself. It doesn't have to be just, you know, someone selling something like Kratom or some other good or service. It could be anything that you do. Or, you know, do the hybrid thing. Like the guy that does all my electrical work here, he came out here on a Saturday. I paid him 680 bucks to do some work for me, but he works for like, I don't want to say the company because get in trouble or whatever, but a really big franchise company as an employee. But when he's off, he's doing his side jobs, right? And, you know, he put 100% yeah. of that money because that wasn't materials. That was just for his work. He put all that money on a Saturday in his pocket. He probably doesn't make much more than that in a week if he doesn't get overtime. He doubled his income, and he was only here for about five hours. I didn't give a shit. My house isn't going to burn down, and my stuff works. We're good. Right. <laughs> that's, that's always a good foundation, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Don't burn down my house and my shit should work and work at baseline. It's a good starting place. Yeah, yeah. it's a good starting yeah. spot. Yeah. Today on baseline, my house didn't burn down and my shit works. Building <laughs> the life you want to live. And the Schumann Resonance is the Schumann Resonance has not scorched the earth the yet. The Schumann Resonance database went down, I hear. It did. It totally oh. did. In fact, we got hit with a CME and that's why it went down. No way. Yep. Okay. There's so- another one incoming. Let's go around the horn because we're getting close to end times here. Any final thoughts? And then be sure to pitch your podcast or or what business, whatever it is, because we've we've been growing a lot lately. We've got some new listeners. They may not know where we're from, all of us. So let's start with Sal. So um, I guess just in conclusion, the new normal to me, again, it's all about the Federal Reserve. This is Don't buy into the scamdemic, the hoax. That's what they want. Don't go out and get the vaccine because it's not even real. Don't buy into any of their bullshit. It's all, it's all a scam. That's basically, that's basically my take on what's going on. And the solution is counter-economics, is, is agorism, right? Become your own bank, grow your own food, tokenize your business, 3D print your own guns, take responsibility for yourself, like Nicole was saying. That's the only solution. So... Um, as for me, um, you can follow me on all of your different social media platforms at Sal Mayweather or at Sally Mayweather. Um, SalDiagoras.com, subscribe to the Agora. I write at newlibertarian.io and I sell 3D printers at 3D printer go burr, b-r-r-r.com. But by the way, Nicole, I want to, uh, when we get to Tennessee, I want to make sure that yours is set up. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I know it's been a while. <laughs> it's still in the box under my bed. <laughs> You can set mine up this spring too if you uh, can. So. <laughs> oh man. I know oh, I'm bad. Of you. So bad. Okay, John. Um I think you know the new whether it's the new normal or buying a house or having a better relationship with your spouse or your kids or building an entirely new society, like you gotta or exercise goals, health goals. You got to really want it, you know, and there's just so much there's so much importance in the mindset and the motivation. And it's the mindset and the motivation and the drive and aligning and meditating with doing a vision board, just focusing on your why and your purpose. And like we said earlier, use that to pull you. And it's that why and purpose and tuning into it and focusing on it and thinking about it all the time, like obsessively 
that's what will generate the motivation to take massive action because the type of stuff that we talk about on the show, the type of changes that I'd like to see in my life and the type of changes I want to see in the world, in order to accomplish them, they're going to take massive action. And I think when you line up with that purpose, when you take the massive action, you could really do some really cool things and just leave all this crap, the Federal Reserve, the Great Reset, this technocracy, just we can just leave it in the dust. Like now's our chance. We got to seize the moment. We can't miss this opportunity. So that's that's what I, what I would say. And uh, I would encourage people to check out my podcast at livefreenow.show livefreenow.show and if you want a free ounce of kratom you can go to freeouncecratom.com and we have delta 8 gummies this was a 20 pack it's a little bit low because <laughs> we've been frozen out at the house <laughs> me and my lady so uh we have delta 8 thd which is super cool now it's like a loophole so it's kind of counter economics in itself that's uh mybravebotanicals.com and freeouncecratom.com okay x So first thing, you all deserve to be happy. You deserve to feel joy. You were born into this world happy without a care in the world. And somehow we end up carrying a lot of baggage through life. Now, mm. you know, when you travel, you actually need baggage. So it's actually there to benefit you and grow. Um, mm. The point is to enjoy the travel, enjoy what you're carrying and figure out what it is you actually need, what it is that's just extra shit. Um, I do a, a daily uh, show called Baseline every weekday morning at 7 a.m. usually. Um, it's like an ironic twist on all the happenings that are that are happening with a little bit of uh, inspiration at the end. And uh, my, my my company is Fyron, Fyron.com. That's, that's P-H-I-R-E-O-N. And it's about building a future together um, with a decentralized central cooperative banking system that we get to make the decisions together on how we spend the profits. Excellent. And the app is launching this week in the next day or two. So yeah. on the app store and the Google play store. That baggage thing was pretty poetic. I like that. Yeah. The travel. Uh, nice. And Khalil Gibran's my shit. So I'm, I'm full of the poetry shit. <laughs> full of poetry shit, not just full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're all a little bit of that too. <laughs> <laughs> Jack. Yeah, my name is Jack Spierka. If, if you haven't checked out the show, you should do so. It's at the survivalpodcast.com. I'm the prepper guy, but you know, I, I really built everything in the TSP world on lifestyle design. Just as a marketer, I knew that if I called it the lifestyle design podcast in 2008, it wouldn't grow as fast as if I called it the survival podcast. So I come to everything with a design, uh, a design mindset, a systems thinking mindset. And, and so the way to approach this is, and I think we kind of got on it tonight without realizing we were with some of John's comments about being told you're running away or whatever. This idea that we need to like change the world and get everybody together and what have you. And people, all these people that say that, most of them, their life is a fucking train wreck, right? So get your own shit together, whether it's poetry shit or other shit, get it together, get it designed, design your life, start designing your life the way you would design like a house, like, you wouldn't design a house and be like, yeah, fuck it, that's good enough. I'm going to live in there, dude. It's going to fall on my head, right? So actually take your life serious because it is. You know, have fun with it, make jokes, et cetera. But, but take your life seriously and, and, and design a blueprint for your life. But then understand, like, when you, when you go to, like, we go to, like, permaculture design courses and whatever, they tell you to think of the piece of paper you're drawing the design on as trash. Because as soon as you realize that's a bad fucking idea, throw it the fuck away and design something else. And that's how we need to be in our, our lives to a degree. We need to be willing to like go, 
that was a bad idea. This makes me miserable, and I'm all for quitting things that make me miserable if they're not leading me somewhere that will eventually change. And so design the life you want. Get your shit together that way till you're actually a genuinely happy individual. Then you can worry about, hey, let's bring other people in the mix because I just think that if you get like 50 people together in a community and all of them are a train wreck and miserable, it's probably not actually going to work out very well. But if you get people that are get, you know, you have people that are all the way there, they've got it buttoned down. You got people that are close and you got people that are just figuring it out. Then you've got kind of that mentorship thing going on. You've got that ability for somebody to step in and go, hold on, that's going to not work really well for you. And the person hearing that may not want to hear it, but when they look over at this person and like, Their life is great and they want that life. It's like what John was saying about the marketing system. Hey, if it's working, maybe I should try it too. And, and that's to me, that's how you're going to get. It doesn't matter that it's 2021. This was the same answer in, in, in 1921, right? It will be the same answer in 2221. That's, that is the key. You control very little in this world, but what you do control, you should exert full control over it. Awesome. I'm Nicole Sauce, and my podcast is Living Free in Tennessee, livingfreeintennessee.com, and I roast coffee at hollerroast.com. My last thought on this is really, you know, it's kind of personal, really. I am the person who had the debt, who built the wrong life. And one day it was like I just woke up and realized the only person I can control is me. It's my fault I'm here. And if I'm going to have a life I want to live, I've got to start taking steps that direction. And every, all this other crap around me that's just telling me I'm not good enough or telling me that what I want is silly or stupid, because a lot of people look at my life and they think, why would you want to live that way? I don't care anymore. What I care about is what I want. And from the moment I got there, it was literally that simple. I just had to figure out each step successively. So I know for those of you listening who haven't gotten there yet, you can get there if I can get there. I talk about, I talk about these things very openly on my podcast because I want you to know the mistakes I made and the shit that went wrong. Right. But we can get there. Opting out of the new normal is simply controlling the one being that you really can control. Mm. So with that, this has been episode 27 of Unloose the Goose. Check us out at unloosethegoose.com or we're, we have a library channel now. It's at Unloose Goose and get, get following us there as well as on Unloose the Goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use.